0: Welcome to the Prism Education Center podcast. Prism Education Center is a K 12 school committed to building principled leaders through sound values, solid culture, and strong community. Prism Education Center is a Northgate school, and this is our podcast. This is Misty Newcomb and I am here with the entire fifth to twelfth grade student body at Prism Education Center today. We are recording a our podcast this week in front of a live audience. We have a very special guest, Mr. Earl Jasper. Let's give him a round of applause. Mr. Earl Jasper has been a part of the PRISM community since the very summer we first started. Um, his son Cameron was one of our very first students and we just, we were fortunate enough to have a building near his home and so they saw us before we ever could market and so they've been here from the beginning. And over the years I have heard parts of Mr. Jasper's story and I think there's a lot of value added from his, um, in my life, that from, from Mr. Jasper's story and I wanted the students here at PRISM to hear as well. We're also going to record it so that we can capture his, his bit of history and, and share it with others as well, because I think it's a great, he's, got a, he's had a great life and has really lived by the values that we talk about a lot here at PRISM. So to start with, uh, I'm trying to think of what I'll call you on this podcast, Mr. Jasper, is that good? That'll work. <laughs> All right. Um, why don't you tell us, what year were you born?
1: I was, <clears throat> I was born August the 12th, 1952.
0: And where were you born?
1: Grady Arkansas Southeast Arkansas
0: All right Southeast Arkansas tell us about Southeast Arkansas in 1952
1: Southeast Arkansas in 1952 is nothing that you all have ever seen It was rural uh very less populated and the uh the times were not very good at at that particular time, you didn't have many paved streets, uh, gravel roads, dirt roads, and whatnot. And farming was the Walmart back then.
0: <laughs> All right. So tell us, um, how, many, how many siblings did you have?
1: It was nine of us, and, and, and oh. I was number seven.
0: Okay, I didn't realize that. So yeah. seven of nine, okay. And what did your parents do?
1: They was sharecroppers at the time.
0: And what did they crop?
1: It was cotton, uh, the stuff that most of your clothes is made of now. Uh, that's that's what was uh, what's going in and gardening.
0: Okay, gardening. Now, I know what sharecropping is. I'm not sure if all of our students do. Tell us a little bit about what sharecropping, how that worked.
1: Okay, how sharecropping works, uh, you go and sorta of say to a landowner, I will work for you, you let me, live on your property, and you pay me uh, so much at the end of the crop year. And when everything come in, we have settled a bill at the end of the year. They will finance you for that particular year, give you a living allowance, as they call it. And if you make a profit, you get it at the end of the year. If not, they will carry it over to the next farming year.
0: Okay, was it uh, so typically were the landowners white or black?
1: 100% white.
0: And the the actual people doing the work, the sharecroppers?
1: Approximately 100% black.
0: Appro- okay. All right. And so was it was it known for being a real fair system?
1: <laughs> uh in other words no
0: no okay all right and so that that your dad when you when you were born did your mom share crop too everybody did she was
1: mostly a homemaker but okay. she did also
0: all right and then what about the kids
1: uh field workers
0: field workers mm-hmm. in the same cotton fields mm-hmm. okay and so when it was time to go to school what happened
1: we went i went to school we went to school uh about all the time but at we didn't have spring break. <laughs> and uh, when when the summer came along and school was out, you went to work until school started back again. You, you didn't have downtime.
0: Okay. All right. Now, I these guys have grown up in the beautiful mountains in northwest Arkansas. Okay. Tell us about the southeast Arkansas heat in August.
1: Uh... <clears throat> Hot. (laughs) It it was. It it was hot. Uh, You didn't have. It's not mountains down there, so you just it's flat open spaces. You don't have. You know when when a breeze come, it hit the it hit the mountains up here and, and, and all that. But down there. Hot. Hot.
0: (laughs) And to grow cotton, I mean, temperatures have to...
1: It has to be hot. Yeah,
0: it has to be like... I mean, we're talking... I know I grew up in southwest Arkansas, and it's about 10 degrees warmer year-round there than it is here. And I think in southeast Arkansas, it might even be 20 degrees warmer.
1: Yes, because it's closer to the Mississippi River, which is right across from Mississippi. For some reason, geographically speaking, the Mississippi River, it, it, it... Hot.
0: Hot. <laughs> okay. So painfully hot. Yeah. And uh, they didn't give you breaks, right? I mean, you didn't, you, you didn't get special what treatment. What is a break? <laughs> <laughs> so you were, how old were you when you started working?
1: Nine years old. All right.
0: Who in this room is nine years old? Is anyone that, that young? So everybody, how old are you guys? You're 11. So you the youngest people in here. Uh, so nine year olds, are they what? Third graders? So imagine that all of you would be in the summertime, there'd be no spring break and in the summertime, you'd be gearing up to go out and work in the hot, hot cotton fields. And so that's what, that's what Mr. Earl did. And then you were in, college, you were in high school mm-hmm. and you were in high school in the 70s. Yes. And so tell us a little bit, I know the Vietnam War mm-hmm. happened while you were in high school. Yes. So how did that impact you?
1: The Vietnam War, which tore up the country, a lot of people did not believe in it. A lot of people believed in it. Uh, they had to draft in; it, it was not voluntary like it is now. I was a senior in high school. Uh, my friend, who was a couple years older than I was, uh, he was drafted, and we was real good buddies. And he got drafted, and he he got injured, uh, and they operated on him and he died on operator operating table in Japan and that impacted me because I had never experienced a death of a friend before, a close friend. And, uh, but that wasn't the worst part, I had a lottery number also and I was going to be turning 18 in a a few months and uh, I would be eligible to be drafted also. And so when Severe, which was his name, passed and they did it over intercom, it just, it it changed everything. Because up until that point, I was 17 years old, I hadn't experienced a close friend death. I didn't know anything about Vietnam. People was getting killed every day. They were giving numbers uh, about how many uh, GIs got killed that particular day. And it became real when it happened to him and after we graduated, I was, I had to register for the draft and all that stuff. And if my number would have came up, I would have had to go also. And that was on my mind.
0: Yeah. So that's a, that's a tough way to enter your senior year. Yeah. Yeah, that tough way. But the war ended right before your draft came up. Is that correct? Or they just stopped? what happened
1: it uh, it was going on when I was in college it
0: was but you never got drafted no you never got drafted okay all right now so they announced his death over the intercom and that kind of made me think how big was your school
1: uh we had about a thousand kids
0: oh wow okay so that was it in Pine Bluff
1: uh south of Pine Bluff south
0: of Pine Bluff were the schools integrated the whole time you were in school no when did they get integrated
1: They sort of voluntarily started doing it in 1966, and they consolidated in my senior year.
0: In your senior year? 1970. So you were part of a segregated school system Mm -hmm. most of the time. Okay. And when they did integrate, did the white family stay?
1: White flight.
0: White flight. That's what I thought. That's what I thought.
1: Uh, I would say 85% of them went somewhere else. Where would they go? A lot of private schools start uh, coming up through churches, Mm -hmm. and some of them went to other districts that had not integrated. Okay. And some move,
0: move. Right. So at that time, and I think that this is probably true for not just Pine Bluff, but a lot of, of oh, yeah. places in eastern Arkansas, uh, private schools were not instruments of, of oh, integration. No. They actually formed specifically to, to... get away from integration. Exactly, to segregate yes. because private schools didn't operate by the same rules. No. And, and so they did not have to integrate. Mm-mm. And so they would form and then they would... Now I don't know if that's a yeah that and that is kind of the legacy of private schools, I know for sure at least in eastern Arkansas, so that's certainly different than the private school you all you all attend um but that 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 happened um and and so you you still graduated in a school even though it was technically integrated Yes. your school was still very segregated correct
1: to, yeah to a certain degree yeah. it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good place, Yeah, you didn't look forward to going to school.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did they, was the funding different, was, or did it just feel less?
1: Uh, it, it just felt. Yeah. yeah. You, you could feel it from the administration. Right. Uh, it was an unwanted situation that was forced upon a lot of right. people.
0: Right, right, right. And so you went to college mm-hmm. right after high school? Mm-hmm. And where where was that at?
1: UEPB, uni, well, it was A, M, and N at that particular time, but now it's University of Arkansas, at Pine Bluff.
0: What does A, M, and N stand for?
1: Arkansas Mechanical and Normal College.
0: Okay, and then they also, and we talked about this, that... A lot of the universities back then would say we want to voluntarily integrate, and the University of Arkansas was one of those. Yes. And so it meant that they, if you voluntarily integrated, you didn't have you had the more oversight. control yeah. over
1: you had more control over what was going to be. Happening than if you was forced by the federal government or the state to do it.
0: Right, right. And so some some schools, particularly in the South, would voluntarily integrate. Yes. But not really. Not really. Not, not with their hearts. <laughs> True. <laughs> to, to say it was more of a box they would check. Right. Then. And so what happened to the to the school that, what, UAPB, mm-hmm. when did it become part of the UAC, U of Ar- University of Arkansas system?
1: It was yeah, I think in 71, 1971, because when we was going, we was totally against it because we felt that it's, it wasn't going to help our position. Uh, so we demonstrated against it. We marched, although it, it happened anyway. But as students, we felt that uh, being a part of the University of system would just mean that we would be a part of Fayetteville, which they didn't really care anything about. The school in Southeast Arkansas. That was our thoughts at the time.
0: Right, and that was it. Kind of that is that how it happened, or
1: pretty much uh, short
0: term and long term. It
1: it taken many many years for it to move forward, and people just say, "Okay, now the funding is more stable to a degree and whatnot." But yeah.
0: So now it's a better situation, but in the short term, in the immediate, it did feel exactly like what y'all were concerned about. Okay. Okay, and then you you were in college, and then where did you go to work? Uh, the railroad. The railroad. How long did you work for the railroad?
1: Uh, about 25, 26 years.
0: Okay, and so now when we think about the railroad, we think about the tourist ride, right? And it's a it's a tourist ride you could take from Northwest Arkansas
1: to Fort Smith. To Fort
0: Smith, mm-hmm. but what was it like freight, in the seventies? It,
1: it was it was freight, okay. uh, Amtrak. Uh, mm, a lot of hard work
0: a lot of hard work okay yeah. at what point in this in this journey did you marry miss sandra
1: hmm uh what year yeah <laughs> 1979 how old were you at the time uh-huh. uh i think I was about 25 okay. 26
0: okay and how long have y'all been married then that i think we about we,
1: 41 years
0: 41 years okay so you've been married to miss sandra and you kind of always knew her family
1: well, yeah our family knew each other but okay. course we were living in the same county.
0: Okay. All right. So y'all got married, y'all have four kids mm-hmm. and you stayed there with the railroad till for 25 years. I think you said 1997, is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. And that's where you retired from. Mm-hmm. So you had the same job for 25 years. Primarily. Okay. All right. Tell us a little bit about just as you were as you were growing up um I would say that you grew up in some less than optimal experiences yes. and some of the stories that I've heard tell me can you do you feel what tell us about some of the challenges that you faced and 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 really not just the challenges but the the mechanism that by which you overcame some of those some of those difficulties
1: Some of the challenges are uh, being born uh in Southeast Arkansas and being African American at the time uh it wasn't the most opportune situation to be in. And the racism, it wasn't hidden. I mean, it it was just like getting up, going to school for the most part. Uh, We did not agree as younger people like our parents, because MLK and all of that was going on when we was in high school, and we, we protested against it before it became a legal holiday. MLK and whatnot, and that was not received well by the school administration. And we we were suspended uh, for missing days trying to help forward the uh, holiday. And that stuck in my mind that why seemed like we being penalized for wanting to not have to put up with what our parents put up with, but but it didn't change anything. And so that stuck in my mind that you can change some things, some things you can negotiate, and some things you have to walk away from. Choose your battles because you're going to have them in life. You have to be very careful about what you put a lot of time and energy in to make sure it's beneficial to you and what your objective is. But, the the attitude because of skin color uh, is baffling if you allow it to be, but not really. It's a choice, and my faith in God helped me to understand a lot when I did not agree. But my faith doesn't change because my attitude changed. It remains the same. And God said, "Love everyone." Okay, I do <laughs> sometimes grudgingly, but I suppose do it cheerfully, but uh, in the real world, it don't work like that all the time, uh, but that's the main thing on it.
0: Yeah, okay, and so, and you did, you've always been a part of a church. Oh, yeah. Right, and here, you're, which which church are you part of here in Fayetteville? St. James. St. James, and then back, back home, you've always been real involved yes. in your church, And and I know just from we've we've talked about how your faith really has has guided you and has helped you through all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to share any more about that?
1: Uh, I would say if I did not have a relationship with God, my life probably would be entirely different. Because uh, during the summer, living uh, stayed in Detroit and uh, make money to come back down south to go to school and stuff. And it's a lot of temptations out there and a lot of things that's not in your best interest. And it doesn't take long for a young person with a lot of energy and a lot of ideas to get thrown off the path that they know they should be going Uh, One of the things, my faith and my belief in God is to pray a lot. (laughs) Pray a lot. Being young is no excuse for not praying. Because if I would not have started praying when I was young, I probably wouldn't have lived to get old. Because stuff happens in life. And my relationship with God is very imperative to uh, what I have been able to accomplish.
0: That's good. What... um... You. When did you guys move to Northwest Arkansas?
1: I think uh, 2005 or six. Okay. I came about, we moved about a year earlier before we actually moved.
0: Okay, okay. Just uh, before you actually completely took everything right. back, you came up, and there were programs here that benefited one of your kids, right? Yes. Yeah, and that was the big driver, right? Behind behind that, and um, in terms of of your family, I know I've, I've met. I think I've I think I know all your kids.
1: Yeah, I think you've seen all yeah, of them. Yeah, I
0: think I've met them all. So what um, what about the role of family? Because you've you guys have completely uprooted your life for. For your family, uh, you've raised a bunch of good, upstanding kids. You've got all your your siblings are are back home, I, uh, back in Southeast Arkansas, or did any all of them across come across the country? All across the country. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. What what's the role that family played for you?
1: Uh, strong foundation. Someone that you can always call when you need to talk. Uh, advice uh, and sometimes soundboard and ideas off of. Mm-hmm just a relationship that mm-hmm. other things can't fulfill.
0: And as a husband and father, you've sacrificed a whole lot. I know that personally. You've sacrificed a whole lot for your for your family. When you look out here, we've got uh, a bunch of young men here, and some of them are about to graduate, and some of them are, I think our youngest in the room today are 11. Is that right? 10. Okay, so the youngest are 10. Um, Mr. Jasper, what advice would you give the the young kids in this give year, me the an age bracket school. first. How about ten to thirteen year olds?
1: Obey your parents. Yes. They know what they're talking about. And when they say, "Come, we going to church," go. They know what they're talking about. And everyone that said they're your friend, by wrong answer. Everyone that says they're a friend Is not going to be your friend Be very selective Of who you allow Into your emotions It can be devastating And it can take a lifetime to get over
0: So If your friends tell you to do something different than what your parents are going to do What are you going to do Listen to your parents is that what you said? <laughs> all right, good, good answer, right answer. All right, and then what, what about the young men and women that we've got, um, I think this year we've got five kiddos that are about to, to be graduating. What would you say to people who are just starting their journey into the, the big grown-up world?
1: Okay, for, the, for that age all the way up, the one just graduating is the sky is the limit. Keep, stay focused. Fun can happen at any time. You don't have to plan a life of fun. It can come along at any time. But you got to pay your bills. So you really need to get that education. Because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. It doesn't matter how much education you have but if you don't look for a job. So once you get the education, You got to get a job. But always remember what your parents say. It goes back to mother and father. They know what they're talking about. Youth, energetic, all of that is great. Experience is priceless. Your parents would not tell you anything wrong that would hurt you. And also, even with the teenagers, and especially ones that graduating from high school, College campus is not a 24-hour fun fest. It's supposed to be just the opposite. I tell you, I had friends, we left, they went and party, party hardy. And their life now is like in the dust. Not saying that you can't have fun to be sociable because you you're gonna do that. But stay focused. You got to stay focused because Time never stop. you would be seventeen, they think you'd be eighteen, they think you'd be nineteen. you still don't have a job I haven't finished an education, so stay focused,
0: yeah, it does seem like the that season of life um even when I was in college, they were talking about that it is turning into extended adolescence. And so it's real easy. Our culture defines that time right after you graduate as a time to go find yourself. And yeah. find yourself means go have fun. Mm-hmm. But that's a huge shift. It's a huge shift from my generation, and it's a really big shift listening to your stories and thinking about the interactions and the experiences surrounding. Y'all had Vietnam going on. You had civil rights issues mm-hmm. that you were fighting for. You you were, you know, working to make a better life. That, that time in your life is such a, an important opportunity. It really is an opportunity to go and find uh, really... Experiences and, and work opportunities and, and educational opportunities that help shape the rest of your life. But if you use it as a time to have fun, you, yeah, it's just a tragic mindset. It's a waste of a, of a special opportunity where you have fewer responsibilities and you can learn more and, and gain more and really use that time as an opportunity to build your life.
1: And, and relationships, always another priceless thing I learned, the people that you meet can be the best thing in your life or the worst thing in your life. It's very important to be selective, as I said to the younger one, who you let into your emotions. Not just your inner circle, into your emotions. Because if they have your emotions, they control you. All right,
0: do any of you have a question? I'm going to be very limited, on I would like to start with any of our older students. Do any of you have a question that you would like to ask Mr. Earl? Ethan. What was the, what was the hardest part of, about
1: trying to do all I didn't hear that.
0: What was the hardest part about what? About trying to do all that, trying to keep up with all trying to keep, like, as a young man? Yeah. What was the hardest part about trying to keep up with all that?
1: The hardest part about trying to keep up with all that was I, didn't, I wanted to, to continue to be popular. I wanted to be in the group. I wanted to be the top one, one of the top ones in the group. The hardest thing was the temptation of saying, this is not as important as what I want to accomplish in life. It was a battle within myself saying, what do you really want? You can be what you want to be, but what do you really want to be? And I had to decide within myself that it was more important to accomplish my goal than to be popular within my group because they were going in a different direction. You have to decide what's important to you. Tim,
0: Was it hard to move up here? Was it hard to move up here from Southeast Arkansas to Northwest Arkansas?
1: Uh, Yes and no. I love where I'm from. I had been coming up here for years before we moved because my son graduated from up here. But it's one thing to come every week, but it's another never to leave. So it was it was yes, it was hard, and no, it wasn't hard if that's a good answer.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, huh?: Maria?
1: Can you repeat that? Yeah, so
0: she said that you grew up in the Civil Rights Movement Mm -hmm. and you saw yourself as acting different even than your parents did. Mm -hmm. How did that impact what you wanted for your kids and what you put into them?
1: Okay, what I saw growing up in in the Civil Rights Movement and whatnot, when you had had people uh, hosed down, tear gas and dogs on them and all this kind of stuff, and what I saw my parents had to adhere to, it was certain things at the time, you didn't have a choice, you had to go along with it because it was the law. But my mentality was, I don't have to do this, I'm not them. How it helped with my kids, I I, I set my kids down and we look at civil rights films and all this different kind of stuff, And, and I expressed to them that times are changing, but you must, adjust and be ready when the time change. And that you can learn, you can't say I cannot be because of someone else. You can be what you want to be. It, you may have to go in a different direction, it may take longer, but you can be what you want to be. Don't let your race be a liability, let it be an asset. I mean, uh, it was, you ought to know anything about it, but growing up they had They call it color-only bathroom, water fountain. I was young when it was happening, but I remember that. And to me, that was sci-fi stuff. What you mean I can't drink out of this water fountain? I can't go in this bathroom. But it was the law. But like what I was telling my kids is that's okay, don't, don't worry about it. That do not define who you are because that's how someone else is thinking. It, a lot of talking, truthfully, factual, explaining stuff to my kids.
0: That's good. Anyone in Arizona have a question? All right, I think we're, anyone else here? All right, Cameron. Who was the president when you were young? JFK. JFK? Was Mm -hmm. that the first one you remembered? Yeah.
1: All right. And and LBJ. And then LBJ?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And let's see. And then who was the first one you got to vote for?
1: Uh, (laughs) Who did I first vote for? Well,
0: who was running? You don't have to tell us who you voted for. (laughs) No, I'm trying to think. You're supposed to keep your politics quiet, (laughs) y'all. Really?
1: Uh, I was sort of like anti-establishment when uh-huh. it comes to voting, uh-huh. but uh, I, I voted, I think it was uh, Carter. Carter? No, I was too young. What, it was Bill Clinton.
0: Well, think about it, because Carter, he was 78, wasn't he? 78, yeah, but I chose
1: not to vote for a long time. You did,
0: okay, all right. So Bill Clinton was a— I think
1: Bill Clinton. Did you
0: vote for him as governor? No. Well, you don't have to answer that. I'm sorry for asking, you, but oh. were you old enough to? You were old enough to vote. For yeah, me I was as old governor. enough to vote. Yeah, we we'll, we won't put any of this on the. On
1: well, it. you can put it on. <laughs> He's still popular. You know. Yeah.
0: All right. So that was the that was one of the first this year. The the Black History theme uh, for Black History Month was the vote. Mm-hmm. Was the the Black vote, and it's it's interesting because I've actually heard a lot of people say they didn't vote, even though. Probably your parents' generation. That they, would have been extremely important to them.
1: They, they, that was another thing that I wanted, now I, I said obey your parents, yes, true, 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 true. But I didn't like their politics. I had a different view about politics. They, I didn't see a need to vote for these people who's not gonna make a difference. I was waiting for someone who was saying what I wanted to say and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, obey your parents, but...
0: What about Johnson? I, I, did y'all think he was going to do what he did with the Civil no, Rights Act? No,
1: but he ended up doing he it. He did do it, yeah, yeah, but
0: no one thought he would. No. No one thought he would. So the Civil Rights Act, for those who don't know, Lyndon B. Johnson was a president. When John F. Kennedy was assassinated, Johnson became the president. And... Uh, the Kennedys were the ones that were working on right. originally on right. the Civil Rights Act but it was Johnson that actually got it done. Yeah, he the
1: one that got it done.
0: And he was a Southerner. He yes. was from Texas mm-hmm. and so a lot of people and he lost he lost a lot of political uh, right. He yeah, was he hated for. He sacrificed a lot right. for it. Yeah. But he didn't get the he didn't get the support from the black community either because no one thought he would do it but then he went and did it. And I guess it's better for uh for you to be a man of uh, you know to people to think What's that? I think there's a Bible verse about it. It's better to uh, be someone that does, who says he won't, but then does, than to be someone who says he will, but doesn't. So in a sense, Johnson, uh, it's pretty it's complex presidency. not to vow and— Yeah, help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so in a sense, he but really he did. But he accomplished it. He did. He, he
1: really did. Mm-hmm. And I know you all don't have to deal with civil rights issues— but one of the issues that you hear a lot about is the rights of women. I mean, are you satisfied with where the women's rights are? I mean, that's what, that's, in 2020, that's, that's one of the things I'd right. be looking at equal pay and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's still going on just on a different front.
0: Do you think civil rights has been resolved? Absolutely racially? not. Okay. <laughs> all right, yes. Improving some areas.
1: Because it's, it's, it's not on paper and pencil. I mean on on a paper, it's it's in your heart. That yeah. that's 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 yeah. it.
0: Agreed, agreed. And so you can have all the laws in the world, but if people don't really see each other the right way, then
1: It and really doesn't truly change anything. It'll help mm-hmm. you to be able to ride on a bus and live here and live right. there, but when you move there they move away or because of so it's in your heart. Yeah. That's my opinion.
0: No, I think that's that's accurate. And that's something that we really want all of our kids to have in their heart, right? That that we truly are. Uh, we don't look on the outside to make determinations about people. That's what? What is inside a man?
1: But one of the and then we wrap for them, so yeah. we're wrapping it up. Prison is, is a special, special place. The students, the faculties, the parents, the other families, and whatnot, it's like a big family. And I, I, I advertise it where I go and talk about it. Uh, I know a lot of private schools. But this is not just a private school. It's more like an extended family uh, because it's different than a general private school in a lot of ways. And you just, if you don't believe me, enroll in one and and see the difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with Mr. Earl. Do not enroll in one. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. And it really is all the all the people, the parents, the the students, all the teachers. It's everyone that makes this place what it is. And and we always have to watch our hearts and guard our hearts and make sure our hearts see each other right, right. And we we you evaluate a person off of off of the values that they live by, and that's the soul the soul. That's the most important thing. Is is what's on the inside, right? Are you all so grateful that Mr. Earl came to us today and talked to this? Let's give him a hand. Thank you very much. And this will, uh, And I guess I'll just. I'll close off here too, and just thank all the all the listeners. I think we probably went over our twenty minute commitment, but every now and then you get to do something special. Every now and then, uh, I I knew we would when we started this. So thank you, thank you so much for coming, and thank You're you welcome. for being a part of this. I think it's a real it's a real privilege for us to to hear your story and and to hear the the experiences that shape the lens through which you view the world. And it's a pleasure for us to have you as part of our community. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right, let's give them one more hand. This podcast is a production of Prism Education Center. You can subscribe to this podcast through any platform you access quality podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Find out more about Prism Education Center by visiting our website at www.prismeducationcenter.org.